Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Valorant Show. Every single Thursday, Arda, Emily, Jacob, and Tyler with you. We have a lot to talk about. Viper finally being buffed. Finally. It's about time. We're going to talk about all of that. But first, the PAX Arena Invitational is actually happening in progress right now. I believe TSM and 100 Thieves are underway. It's Tyler over. and Emily, you're watching. What it's happened? over. It's what over. Happened? 100 Thieves is eliminated from the packed arena invitational losing to tsm which was not surprising they actually put up a good fight against tsm but in a surprise kind of maneuver homeless the team homeless team homeless the amateur team not only almost defeated tsm they beat 100 thieves last night uh it looks like homeless is in the driver's seat to make it out of the groups if they can win their final oh, match. they will they will advance they will advance outside the groups with tsm what i mean lots to talk about 100 thieves so hyped up uh and they're they they lost to an amateur team that have been playing together for five days so and i can i just like give myself a, a golf clap on that one because if you look at our uh, our website and read our draft I, I drafted team homeless i actually took them over some of the other teams that people uh the lesser teams that people thought highly of so yeah small golf clap for myself there i don't normally gloat i don't normally gloat on this program but i will do it i will do it now well, Viper fans are gloating. That's where we're going to start the program is the patch notes 1.04. They are out. We got some ultimates increased. So you need another point if your brimstone or your rays uh, increased from six to seven. But really the biggest uh, upgrade here is for Viper. Viper's alt, Viper's abilities have changed. Emily, the sign behind you is Viper yes. returning. What do you think? Let's answer that question. I mean, I, I kind of hope so, because especially over in Europe, like when we were first seeing tournaments, there were a lot of really good Viper players. And I think Viper, like from a really selfish standpoint, I love playing Viper. She's really fun. Um, so I hope that she is more viable and competitive because I like to watch her. Uh, I think the big increase for me, like, Obviously, there are the Viper's pit changes, but the enemy decay per second is the big thing for me. Because I think when you're talking about Viper, you're comparing her to Omen and Brim in terms of like how you're going to use her smokes, basically. And that's the big change for me that where we might see people using her maybe over one of those. Uh, because I feel like the big problem with Viper was that when you were looking at her versus Brim versus Omen... You're going to pick Brim first. You're probably going to pick Omen second, depend map dependent. I know a lot of people favor Omen over Brim on, like, Ascent or something. Um, but, yeah, like, I think the, the decay is the big change for me. I don't know what you guys think, but that's what really stood out to me over Viper's Pit. Yeah, I, I love the Jello change. Um, it I is, forgot that uh, you call it Jello. You're still rocking that, huh? You're going to go right to the end of the time. I mean, it's still, it does look like green jello, right? Like, it, it, to me, like, I, I like it because, like, it did feel like you, it was really weird to play around in my testing in terms of when you had it up, right? Because, like, you basically either, like, had to sit in a corner or be very good at transitioning in and out of it really fast. And it was very difficult. I don't like playing sitting in a corner. Being able to go out for a few seconds to, like, reposition yourself in it is, like, super clutch. So I'm, I'm glad it doesn't just, like, collapse so fast anymore. That That is a really big change that I think will make her a lot better both on defense and offense. Uh, I want to play more of it, though, before I make a full call. But, yeah, like, I absolutely hated that you basically had a corner camp with her previously when you put that up. Yeah, I think there are good changes for Viper. I think... While we've seen two players in the PAX Invitational play her in SOM and Jammies to varying uh, success, nothing too amazing, nothing groundbreaking, I do think Viper will see more play in Europe, which tends to play a bit more slower, a bit more calculated, where in NA we are very much in a Phoenix meta, where it seems every team needs to have a designated Phoenix player and a designated Jet player, especially on the Operator. We're playing very fast and, like, fast and loose, where Viper is much more of a, an asset in a slower pushing team, more of a control team as she's a controller. Uh, I think we will see much more, may, hopefully, play in Europe from, from Viper uh, players. We have Safe over there on Bonk, who plays her a lot. I know Mixwell used to play her, was a big fan of Viper. I don't know if he'll play her now that he's the primary offer on uh, G2. He's very much fond of the Jet, as 
he's kind of you know taking over from the NA uh, Jet meta, the Jet and Phoenix duo can we have going on right now. But I, I like the changes. Uh, I think we'll see a bit more Viper. I don't think every agent needs to be super viable, right? Not every agent needs to be in every single map. I think she's going to be much more situational on certain compositions and certain maps, which is great. Uh, especially with a new agent coming up in Killjoy, who's going to probably bring him in even more meta changes. I like the situational uh, picks that we can have with certain uh, agents in the game. And I don't think, outside of my, uh, Cypher right now, I don't think there's any one agent that is almost guaranteed necessary on every map. So I think we're moving towards a better and more, you know, colorful meta, where we're going to see probably most, you know, all 11 and soon to be 12 agents. Tyler, do we have any time frame on Killjoy? Uh, August 4th. That is expected... That is the expected date for Act 2 of Episode 1 Ignition. Uh, a lot of numbers in there. But yeah, uh, uh, in the recent update of the, the recent patch update, uh, Killjoy's cardboard cutout has been added to Split in the sneaker shop near uh, a site. And along with that, uh, some voice lines have been added that are referencing Killjoy. Uh, some of them include Cypher uh, apologizing for taking a transmitter from Killjoy, Reyna calling him a robotics nerd, uh, saying, I can't wait to, you know, kill you. I'm going to get through your robots and destroy you. And then Breach's voice lines literally is calling him a nerd. So uh, we're expecting, <laughs> it's going to be a long turret. It's, he's a, dirt, a turret-based agent. That's all we know. We don't know exactly what the turrets do, how they react, how they function in the game. But he is going to be a turret-based character. And we've seen turret-based characters in other you know, character-based shooters, uh, more specifically Overwatch. Some of and those annoying or TF2 as well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't. We don't know anything about him except you know his, his outline. He's a nerd. He has uh, and he has turrets. And anything, anytime there's a turret in a game, it's going to be annoying. So I cannot wait until two weeks from now from everyone complaining like Hildur is you know overpowered, needs to be stricken from the game. So be excited for that. You could say that Killjoy will kill your joy mm, for mm. the game. Christ. You, you <laughs> could say that. Or you could just move on and talk about the We Play Invitational this past weekend. We will get to PAX Arena in a little bit. Uh, Jacob, another win for G2. They seem dominant in EU. Competition is still not quite where we would want it to be in the region. But what were your big takeaways from G2's victory this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think that particularly Artist is continuing to establish himself as probably the best player in the world at Valorant. I don't know if I want to... Mm. Like, it's hard to say that without having seen competition between Europe and, and North America, but, like, he's really good. And, I, like, I'm I'm eager to see them play in A. And, and then he also, uh, in, in my vein of uh, what I did last week on the show, went on to roast Cutler and Hayes um, on on uh, the post, post-match interview after their winning. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. Like he, he's someone that I think. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Liquid slash Fish One Two Three. It's a big loss for them. Um, even though they they get Scream, who's highly popular and will make them a very popular team in the game in the European region, um, and a good player too. I don't want to take away from Scream, but nonetheless, Artist Artist was a killer man, and I like I like watching D two for him alone. Um, I know we expect them to win almost everything they play in at this point, but yeah, he, he's like progressively getting better. And I would say uh, one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world right now. Any other teams, Tyler? Uh, I mean, fish one, two, three liquid, uh, as you both reported. Uh, yeah. Any other teams like they, they, they were probably the team that many people expected to make it to the final alongside G2. But uh, what were some of the other teams that caught your eye? Team Liquid is a work in progress. Uh, as we've mentioned, Artis is the king, the self-proclaimed king of Valorant, 10 and 10 in finals, undefeated. I love watching, I, I agree with, with, with Jacob that Artis is one of the futures of this game, not only because he's an amazing player, but also he's an amazing personality. He's very similar to Wardell, where he speaks his mind, he's a big character. He isn't mind trash-talking after getting a big kill. He's already roasting Hayes and Cutler before. We're, we're not going to have an international event for probably six months, but he's already roasting two of the most well-known players in the North American Valorant scene. I mean, it's great. Just it, like Jacob. No, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's properly appropriate for tactical shooters from Europe, or tactical shooter players from Europe to roast North American players. That's uh, that's par for the course for us Counter-Strike folks, so I'm, I'm all in. Well, no. I, 
I think outside of, you know, the Team Liquid and G2, they're going to have many battles. This was the first battle of a long series of wars that these two are going to have as these two titans kind of build up their, their armies and we see more matches from them. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed by Ninjas and Pajamas. They were kind of the core from the Prodigy team that played in the Vitality European Open. Hip's still playing as Reyna, even though no one else is really playing Reyna, and he somehow... He doesn't really make it work, but he does make it work in a really strange oxymoron kind of way where he's not popping off what you would expect from someone who's picking Reyna and, you know, getting the 25-30 kills, but they're still winning with him on it. So I, I think Ninja's Pajamas was a pleasant surprise over the last two weeks. I think they are firmly in that top three with Team Liquid and G2, G2 at the top. G2 right now is just kind of rolling over people just because they're more mechanically talented than everyone. They don't have a coach. They play a very free-flowing style where they kind of pick what they want, they do what they want, and they just kind of out-muscle everyone. When when they have the two best operator players in Europe right now, when you look at Mixwell and Artis, and some of the teams in Europe right now don't even have that designated opera that you can really trust in, especially, you know, Cream Liquid, who were kind of, I don't want to say exposed, but the lack of having a confident operator player did come against them in that final where you have... Literally everyone on G2 can just kind of pick up the Operator and kind of do well, especially mm -hmm. there's two aces of Mixwell and Artist. And then you had Eccles on Team Liquid who kind of took over that role. And he played well on it on, uh, on on Omen, and we saw Link pick it up as well. But they don't have someone they can just really trust in, where it's like, when you look at Wardell, when you look at Tens, when you look at Artist, when you look at Mixwell, these are the players where you give them the Operator, you're down three rounds, you're like, we got to get back in the series. You can trust them to turn around the series in a matter of seconds. Eccles isn't that player yet, but he's young, and I think he can improve. But I think Europe right now is a very... It, it's, it's a little bit behind NA in terms of, you know, infrastructure. Obviously, NA has, what, 12 major organizations and more possibly coming. And Europe has three. Team Liquid hasn't even really announced Fish 1-2-3 yet. So Europe's still coming. I think they're still growing. I think in, you know, six months, both regions will be very strong and, you know, ready for that big international event. But right now, I still think they're a bit lacking. Well, Emily, I think mm -hmm. a step back was taken in EU. <laughs> the highest average combat score in the We Play tournament with over 50 rounds played was Xiao from Party Parrots. And guess mm -hmm. what happened to Party Parrots recently? They disbanded. They were probably the best five stack in EU that were unsigned among the best. And they couldn't find a major org, so they had to go their separate ways. Isn't that, couldn't that be considered a negative to the EU scene? I mean, so I think the thing with party parrots and like, I don't know if this is a, so I think there are some issues of the EU scene. I don't think it's as dire of a picture as people are painting it out to be. And I know we talked about this last week where a lot of European players were kind of rightfully angry about the way this narrative was being portrayed as like, NA's up here and Europe's down here and look at poor Europe because no one's investing them and stuff like that. Um, I actually like to, to backtrack a bit, I actually thought Fish One Two Three performed a little bit better than I thought they would, uh, despite the fact that I think I was—I said I was rooting for them last week. Um, I was expecting NIP to kind of take them over in this tournament or Party Parrots. The thing with Party Parrots that I never know, and I—I I know I've talked to you guys about this off uh, camera as well, is that when you're recruiting uh, like CIS players, I never know if it has to do with the fact that teams might not want to deal with visa issues because we've seen this several times in other European leagues when it comes to uh, bringing in CIS players. And I don't know if that's at play here. Like, I honestly don't. But looking at this lineup, like, it's kind of insane that no one wanted to take a chance on Party Parrots. I thought they had a lot of talent on this roster that was, like, very apparent in the tournaments, especially in the recent tournaments they've been in. Um, and I never know whether it's some sort of, like, visa thing, right? Because... Again, like I said, we've seen this in, I mean, most famously, I think, is probably European League of Legends, where one of the best teams for the first, you know, uh, what, like, I would say season two, some of season three, uh, was a team, uh, was a CIS team, and they had massive issues trying to get into EU LCS because of like visa problems. So I don't know if that is also at play here, but it's something I wanted to bring up when we're talking about party parrots specifically um, as something that may be an outlier and not indicative of this is how EU is like falling apart. Because I actually, 
Like I said before, I don't think that's true. Yeah, I mean, to me, right, like, Tyler has mentioned this before, and I actually just went and looked uh, out of curiosity on your visa question. Um, but the, so Ty- Tyler, uh, Tyler has mentioned before that a lot of the European organizations and, and, and just Valorant organizations in general are looking for marketable players. Like, Angel is the marketable, marketable player mm-hmm. on the Party Parrot squad, but even then, he's, like, not he's not English as a first-language speaker. I think he speaks very little, in my experience, of, of dealing with Hellraisers in the past. Um, in terms of, like, being able for one of the, like, German or British or mm-hmm. French orgs to pick him up, I think it was fairly unlikely when they can't make English-language content around him um, or around any of, of those players. Um, I, I think that's really important. And, like, yeah, the guy's, guy's played Counter-Strike for almost 15 years before moving over to Valorant. So, like, he's he's got a lot of pull in the Ukraine and Russia. But I think, um, yeah, overall, like, this is a team that didn't really have a player that to the Western audience stood out uh, uh, overall. Um, and, by the way, just on the note of the Visa thing, I did look. The United States is currently ranked 20th on the Passport Index. Um, and Russia is, is uh, ranked 25th. So they're actually not that far below us. I mean, the majority of the party p- parrots players uh, are Russian. Um, so, But, mm-hmm. the, yeah, you're right in the fact that there has been concerns around that previously, a lot of politics, obviously, around uh, Russia in general. But, yeah, I think, and, and the rest of the world. But overall, like, I, I just think it was in the case of it's really hard to make market the players that uh, uh the players that are from eastern europe because many of them aren't english speakers or aren't english speakers and a lot of the big name orgs in uh in esports focus on english language content with the exception I, of I, some of the I understand why that happens but that's also super frustrating right because it's mm-hmm. not based on talent it's based on marketability yeah. and while i understand that like i mean i feel like one thing that tyler keeps returning to that's like pretty true of NA and European teams is that, you know, we've seen teams struggle like in both regions to try to find that one marketable player who's like really loud, who's really outgoing, who's willing to do a lot of content. Um, But that's super frustrating. And I don't want people to take that as like, I feel like I'm the one person who comes in here every week and is like defending your Europe more than anything but like I really dislike this perception that there are like no good teams or no good players in Europe just because major orgs outside of G2 and now Team Liquid and then depending on how you feel about NIP I mean NIP I think has been involved in esports for a really long time so um like I don't want this perception of Europe to be that Europe is bad uh just because there's not as much like marketability I understand the marketability issue but that's super frustrating because these players are really talented. I feel like we have to add, though, to kind of close out on this segment, is that big uh, Berlin International Gaming has kind of come out this week and said, we are building a team. Awesome. So that that, that mm-hmm. will... Uh, Gabi, I'm sure uh, Jacob can Go. talk all day. <laughs> so that we are getting another big org, oh. another a German stack coming out of you know BIG. So BIG, NIP, Team Liquid, and now G2. We're going to see more. And I think the thing with Party Parrots was the CISS scene, where it's the thing we Jacob talked about this with us off camera is that really the only team, but really the only big org right now you would see them going to who would invest this money in the coronavirus pandemic is Navi. Navi, and if yeah. Navi wanted to take the chance on the Party Parrots, uh, apparently they didn't want to take the chance, even though Party Parrots yeah. did seem to have a pretty high ceiling. So it sucks for Party Parrots. I'm sure Xiao will find a team. Xiao is amazing. He's one of the mm-hmm. best players right now in Valorant. Yeah, but I, know, I, I, think, I think Europe is in a fine space. It's, it's, you know, I, I do think North America is leading the pack in terms of viewership and interest and teams and how well things are doing. You know, like right now, myth to stream TSM yeah. versus 100 Thieves to like 25,000 people, and it's just a restream of a stream of him just talking over it. So there's interest in, you know, these TSM matches, the 100 Thieves matches, and he's done a good job building these characters, but I also want to give credit that, like, Mixwell and Scream both streamed the WePlay Invitational and both had mm-hmm. over 20,000 as well. So, yeah. honestly, those two marketable players are the two t- uh, the two players that Team Liquid and G2 are building around. So, good job. They're doing, so far, they're, they're making their money's worth. Mixwell and Scream are both you know, bring in the viewership. And I do think that, like, when we see art, I, I've talked to artists a little bit. Artists wants to stream. I think artists can be a big streamer. He could definitely mm-hmm. be one of those, like, early morning, you know, European streamers that gets that 10K plus, you know, along with Mixwell. So I think Europe has a lot of talent. I just think it's going to take more time than NA, where in NA, like, you know, Big Frames, which was, like, the 15th best team in NA, you know, got the Renegade sponsorship, which 
you know, and then you have party parents who were our fifth team in the European power rankings, not, you know, having to spam because they didn't get one. So, uh, Europe's going to take a bit more time, but I still do think Europe's in a, in a fine place. I expect uh, when we finally see Big perform for the first time that Ar- or that Arda will be the biggest fan of them because Gob is uh, Gobby is of Turkish descent. He's German of Turkish mm. descent. Oh, there so, we go. Oh, there you go. You've got, you've got someone to root for. I mean, yeah. Have you, you ever known me <laughs> to be biased? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Come on. It's not. It's not my hey, fault. Hey, Arda, who's, Arda, who's Turkey, your favorite LCS, LCS player right now? It's not my fault. That Turkey and Canada happen to be two nations that are proficient in Valorant. It's not my... I didn't make that happen. It just happens to be. And by the way, who is what many people would call the most mechanically gifted player in the world is currently playing in the PAX Arena Invitational and has the most first bloods in the game right or in the tournament right now with 32. That would be 10s with Cloud9. And they have already qualified... Uh, for the playoff round, and actually, the group stage has concluded. So no, let's just go. No, it's not the... concluded. It's not right. concluded yet. It's not concluded, Arda. Yeah, this sorry, game's still going on. It was just TSM for today. Or oh, sorry, yes, sorry. Some yeah. matches in the in the group stage today has concluded. I misspoke. Let me go through the standings right now. Group A uh, has TSM at three and zero, perfect right now with a plus twenty seven map differential. Homeless. Uh, which is a group of, as you would guess, teams without a home or players without a home are at two and one. Uh, Jacob raising his thumbs right now. A little thumbs up for the camera. 100 Thieves not doing so well. Hiko with some internet troubles. They are at one and two. And then nin- uh, Team Ninja, as well as Built by Gamers, are winless. Group B, T1, four and oh. Team Envy, two and one. And Way to French, Echo 8, and Team Kefri are battling their way through. Looking at t- uh, Group C, Immortals are... Uh, at three and zero, Gen G yeah. at two yeah. and one, and Group D Sentinels are perfect at three and zero, and Cloud Nine are at two and one. So this will go on, of course, until July twenty sixth. We got three days of PAX Invitational to go. Little bit of reporting for you. There has been a lot of speculation as to why we haven't seen many of these matches in group play. Uh, we don't have an official stream from PAX Arena, and we haven't seen many uh, streams from the teams and players themselves. So. According to a few sources that I've spoken to uh, that would be in the know, the initial plan for this tournament was for each team to have at least one designated streamer. There could have been more, but at least one player was asked to stream as part of the rules of the tournament during the group stage. And one of the teams pushed back on it. I didn't get exactly which team it was, but one of the teams pushed back on this. And then the other team said, well, if they're not going to stream, we're not going to stream either. And that led to uh, this becoming optional at the last minute for PAX Arena. So as you saw today, however, they did pivot to allow the community to stream, which is why we saw streams from Sapphire and from Simo and uh, Esports Doug doing commentary on their streams as well. So from that point of view, we are still in early days, so I won't necessarily make this a strike against PAX Arena because they were trying something that ultimately couldn't work. And if it did work, then we wouldn't be talking about this because we would have gotten these but let me ask, let me start with this, Tyler, in terms of group stage and how you would like to see this, because maybe part of the argument is, well, PAX Arena may not want to invest in the group stage themselves because maybe the numbers won't be there to justify it. How would you, what arrangements do you think we will see that would work the best for group stage play in tournaments like this? I think this is less on PAX and more on Riot. I think PAX, obviously... They, they 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 did a great job. I actually want to give them a dub. This is a big win by them. They they saw the mostly by me me complaining. I complained on Twitter. It was you know I complained a lot. And you know after a lot of complaining from players and other you know casters, Simo and Silly, they did change it, and that's awesome. And today we got we got to see you know hundred these versus TSM. We would have not have seen that series at all if they did not change it. And it was one of the best series we've seen so far in the tournament. So big dubs to them. I think. It's more on Riot to actually build out these group stages better. I think, like, I know Riot is hands-off, but they're not really hands-off. These are still Riot partnership tournaments, and these organizations are giving Riot a lot of money to put on these tournaments. So I do think if a tournament is like PAX, or a tournament where there's a lot of group stage matches, and let's say PAX doesn't feel like they have the necessary tools 
to do a two-day, you know, eight-game uh, around, you know, 20 teams playing at once kind of, you know, stream setup. I think Riot could, you know, do a great thing of, you know, setting having community casters, you know, getting observers like Sapphire and other really good observers to have those streams up for community casters to stream it, like we're seeing today. And it's been really fun to jump from, you know, SEMO casting to, you know, these lesser-known streamers that, you know, who are really into Valorant and really want to make this their career, and it's giving them their shot to kind of have a big audience. Where we're seeing 10,000 people watching series with casters that would have never had this chance before. So I think for Riot, even if it might cost them a bit more to be like, hey, let's pay these observers to do these group stage matches, it's all about growing the game, right? Valorant's done really well on Twitch in terms of organic growth. We're seeing streamers and tournaments do really do quite well in viewership. But I think just growing the game more by having these community casters and having these group stage matches streamed and having and not, you know, spreading the love of the game will do them better in the, in the long run, right? Where you don't want to have people just scratching their heads of, like, where can I watch the series? Where can I watch that series? If Riot does a better job bringing the game to the people, they will watch. If you go on YouTube and look up, like, TSM versus T1 or other, you know, uh, Valorant Pro matches... They have over 100,000 views. It's like 300,000 views. Some matches have over 500,000 views. And a lot of the comments are like, oh, man, I didn't even know this tournament was going on. This match, oh, T1 versus TSM, when was this? Like, there is an audience for this game in an esports capacity, even when the spectator mode is still trash. Oh, okay, not trash. Subpar, subpar, but it, it's, it's still pretty bad. It's, it's still, still pretty, pretty bad. bad. Yeah, it's still pretty bad. The, the it's upgraded, though. It, the x-rays are really good. Like, the x-rays it's, make instead it Instead of, like, a trash can in an alley, we're up to, like, yeah. a dumpster. Can I yeah, yeah, it's like, credit, yeah. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> can I give credit, though? Some of the shots that observers are taking now are really nice shots. Like, they zoom outs after a yeah. game victory. Yeah. Like, they're, they're starting to learn within the means there. Because we have I good observers. That, like, that's, they, that's also part of it, yeah. Yeah, because like, we, we have Sapphire. We have Sapphire and Pyrrhus, who are, like, legends of observing from Counter-Strike. So, like, and I think, like, if Riot hired these people to do these community, like, observes and, like, having community, uh, like, SEMO and, like, you know, up-and-coming talent cast it, that just breeds more, like, it spreads the game. And I do think if Riot does a better job of bringing the esports to the fans, it will grow because there's a fan base for it. Like, if you look at YouTube and other social media, there's an excitement for these games and these players. They just want to know where they can find the games. And right now, it's really, really difficult. If you're even if you're a Geeko fan, it's hard to find 100 of these games. It's it's difficult to find a Wardell game. And it should not be that hard. And I think Rai could do a better job bringing the game to the people. So, I, I swear, by the way, I was going to say, with that in go? mind, I, I just want to say, with that in mind, didn't we just get a refresh in League of Legends at LOL Esports? Couldn't Valorant do the exact same thing? Yes. And I think that they should. I think that, I said this on a previous show, that a directory of some form would make sense. Uh, like a Valorant uh, Esports directory that integrates you know, Twitch or uh, Twitch, YouTube, etc., like where you can find all these things. Um, that's one of the better things about LoL Esports. I don't know why that doesn't exist for Valorant Esports at this point, considering the way that they're going about things. Um, yeah, the web developers at Riot, that should be their job right now, in my opinion. Um, but the other point I just wanted to make, like, if, if, uh, the reporting that you had that, Arta, that, that one of the teams didn't feel comfortable doing this, like... I swear if it was any of the teams that participate in League of Legends, I like I have some bones to pick because I have never dealt with a subsection of owners who very much wanted to be able to stream their own academy games as they have been in, in the LCS, right? That, like That was a huge point of discussion among the owners. So if they feel uncomfortable streaming a Valorant game, uh, I have a problem because, yeah, like they're always asking for more and more content that they can like sell against themselves and stuff and yeah if they're not putting these on their channel like i i don't get it i think the big thing for me is that we're trying to figure out how much riot involvement we need right because one of the things that is not going to happen because riot isn't treating this like a top-down franchise league like overwatch for example right um is that you're not going to have a a conclusive directory from the get-go. You're not going to have a series of observers that are already, you know, set to do every game, and you're not going to have everything, like, super organized. Um, so 
I feel like on the one hand, this is kind of what was going to happen. But on the other hand, because so much time has passed from when Riot let League of Legends grow organically to now, where the expectations are different, especially around like the streaming community and the way that people just view streaming in general. Um, a big miss for this tournament for me, like I understand, and I know we talked about this off camera as well, but like I understand why people do not want to stream games if it's a it, you know specific strategy thing. This is a tactical shooter. You are going to have really specific setups that you're going to want to keep from other people, right? So you're not going to want to be sharing those comms. You're not going to, you're just not going to want people to see that. And I get it. Um, but you should have like someone, and I don't know if this is on Riot or I don't know if this is on PAX. I think PAX has actually done a pretty good job. I agree with Tyler on that. Um, someone should have talked to teams like well in advance and be like, okay, this is going to be the expectation. And then teams come back and say, we're not going to do that. And so then they're just like, okay, now we're going to do streaming before this even started. Because if you think about it, the whole point of inviting a team like 100 Be Lifted or whatever Ninja's team is called is that you want Ninja to bring in people. The whole point of having Mango's team, which I was watching Mango today, it was hilarious. Like, it was a hilarious watch. It was a fun <laughs> stream to watch. You want him streaming this, yeah. right? Like, you yes. want... These people who you invited, who are, no offense, like not going to make it into the later stages of this tournament because that's going to be where the actual professional teams are going to break through, right? Like you are going to, and, and like that's not a slight at Team Homeless. I think those players actually deserve to be picked up, right? So like you want the streamer teams mm -hmm. to be able to stream their own streams to bring people to Valorant. That's the point of including them, right? So, That's the point of having them at this tournament. Yes. And the fact that that wasn't set up prior to PAX Arena is a huge miss for me because mm -hmm. part of having these events is not only to grow it competitively, but to also grow the audience itself organically. And that's where you do want to be using streamers to your advantage. Tyler, I want to ask you a question. How many players from Team Homeless have been streaming so far? None, because... Why would they? They want to get picked up. They all for. I mean, I've talked to some of the homeless players, and I really do like them. I do think they are the best amateur team right now, just based on pure talent. Lasky has been. Uh, I've heard so many like I've been through my talks of you know teams looking at players. He has been trialed a lot. He's a player that is uh, a big name of the unsigned players. I think they've been playing together for five days and already look incredible. And they took a game off TSM. They beat Hundred Thieves, which have been together now for a month or so. So I really like homeless. But I think there's another thing I kind of want to talk about. You know, a little bit of gossip, Arda. You love go do you like do you like gossip, well, Arda? Let me let me finish. My, oh, I love okay. gossip. Let me finish my point. If I was team homeless and if I'm looking for a home, why wouldn't I want to showcase myself? Why? Because results matter zero? more. Results. You would rather. So you're telling me yeah. that orgs are just going to look at the yes. result and not even yep. care about the game whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. If, if if homeless goes and they make the semifinals of the tournament, I I will bet you that a org or two will be on will be in their DMs. It's also not like these players haven't been trialed before. Yeah. Like a lot of these yeah. players, like Psalm, Death, Lasky, Superman, yeah. like these players have been trialing for teams. Yeah. We've seen them on other like other orgs that aren't teams. I, I, I understand your point though. I do understand it's like why aren't you like if you want to get seen, why aren't you showing yourself? But I do think when it's a team that I think if if this was a uh you know, a team that might make it far or maybe oh, maybe if they got lucky they can make top eight. I think this is a team that believe they can go far in this tournament, and if they are prioritizing results over everything else, I don't blame them. They've already they've gotten close to being the number one team in NA. They almost beat TSM, so they are definitely a wild card that I can definitely see making a run to semifinals and maybe even a finals run if everything comes together. So uh, for them, this is a big weekend. It's a really big week for these guys because if they can make it far, uh, I know there's a few orgs still out there. I'm not saying they're going to fully invest. They're not, you know, pick them up immediately. But uh, together, we are terrific. Didn't only have one suitor. They picked Complexity. Complexity was the winner of the together, we are terrific sweepstakes. So there are still, you know, a few pretty, you know, tier one organizations that would be looking at homeless if they can go far this week. Right. Okay. So I love gossip. Yes, the answer is I right. love gossip. All right, my guy. I mean, I think this is, I think this is one of the most interesting storylines that I think people have been glossing over. Uh, where's Fates? Where where's FaZe? Where where are they? Where are where where is FaZe? I mean they were announced for Pax Arena. Uh, you know, 
Corey, I've been told by many people, this is from multiple sources, is he might be the best player in the game right now. I've had people, I've had plural pro players tell me over tennis. He, like, Corey right now is a god. He is, that is, he is a god. So why aren't they playing? Why aren't they playing? They, you know, they have the captain, Jason R. You know, they had their trial members, Zachary and Marv, aren't in this tournament in any uh, kind of fashion. Uh, two of the players that were on the trial team, Depp and Sam, are now on Homeless. So where's Hayes? Where's Hayes, Arn? Well, the only thing that we do know is that Psalm and Depth are not part of Phase. Yeah. So they, 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 that trial is over, seemingly, because they're playing on a different team. So I don't know where Phase is. Where is Phase, Tyler? So from talking to some sources, to talking to some people, uh, I think maybe Jacob talked about this as well, that it looks like, obviously, Corey's on the team. It looks like Marv and Zachary should be on the team. Uh, this is all, again, the, the subject to change. Mm. Marv, Zachary, Corey, and I've been told that two Overwatch League players might be joining them very soon to kind of round out the team. No Jason R, from what I've been told, from people that I trust. Mm. Which is very weird because Jason R is the captain, which yeah. makes this entire yeah. thing incredibly confusing. I have to ask why. Why then? What, what, in your opinion, what happened? Is there, is there dissension? Is there, did it not work out well? Do they not play well together? Because we haven't seen them play together at all. Jason Arden literally got signed. He was the first signing. And that weekend, there was a tournament, and he did not play in the tournament. And we have not heard anything about Jason Arden and FaZe playing together since. I, I think it might just be that Corey, in the stack he's playing with, which is, you know, including more Overwatch players, might just gel better. And I think Corey is... If there's one player on phase that they can't lose, and that is their star player, I like Jason R. But Corey, from everyone I've talked to, I've not heard one bad thing about Corey. I've heard, you know, you know, some people might be too egotistical. Some players might just be good in scrims. No, Corey has not only done well in his one pro tournament, which was the Ignition Series T1 Showdown, where he was one of the top players in the event on a trial team on phase. He's also, from everything I've heard, one of the nicest and well well-spoken, and just overall best players to be around. So the, if you're going to build around your team, you're going to build around Corey, not Jason R. And I think Jason R is a good streamer, and he's doing well, and he's getting a few thousand views every time he goes on stream. I just think it's, 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 a, it's an awkward situation where it's like, FaZe was announced, you know, excitement for FaZe. They were the one team, one of the teams I was most excited to see. I was like, I love Marv. I think Marv is one of the best Brimstone players in Valorant. Corey, as I've said many times in this conversation, people are calling him a god already. He's up there of tens and Wardell for a lot of people in the pro scene who are playing against him. But and then they go, and they and they just quietly say, "No, I'm, we're good, we're out," and way too French replace them. So it might be a thing of they're trying to nail down those two final players who I've been told are coming over from Overwatch. Do we have? Yeah, I think names? it's a. I think it's a case I'm, of. I'm happy. Uh, Asuna just. Leaked uh, at least one of them that I confirmed. Okay, Asuna is in chat. I have confirmed one of the two that he mentioned, but I think he's right on the second one too. So I don't, I don't care. Who was the second? Who was the second one? Asuna. So Asuna. Asuna. Yes. Asuna said baby. Said baby bay and Rockus. Oh. I am heard from I am heard from multiple people that Baby Bay is yes Baby right. Bay yeah. we can talk about um, yes Baby Bay we can talk about and I, be, I believe Rockus is right but I don't know that a hundred percent certain so I'm not Baby going to Bay like seems to be certain Rockus is that well Baby is retired right so it's much easier yeah. for Faze to pick him up he you know I, and I've heard from players you know talking about you know screaming against Corey and everything that Baby Bay does look good he's he's pretty good not you know obviously Corey is the star of the team but. Yeah, the fifth player. If it's Rockus, he's still signed to Houston Outlaws. Outlaws. Yeah, I mean, it won't be very hard for him to get out of his Overwatch League contract. I don't believe in the same way that it like if you. So the rule of thumb is that you can retire and go play another game. Uh, if you come back, similar to what happened with Michael Jordan when he left the NBA to go play minor league baseball, um, is that is if when if they were to come back to Overwatch, they are entitled to play for the team that they were contracted to. So, like if Corey goes back, he has to play for the Justice. If Sinatra goes back, he has to play for the for the Shock. Um, if if Rockus and Baby Bay were to go back, they'd have to play for the Rain and and the Outlaws. So like, but yeah, he can just straight up invoke Rockus that retirement clause. Outlaws. And, yeah, 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 and he could just like. 
he could retire and just move on. Um, we what haven't it? seen that announcement yet, but yeah, like those are, mm. I know baby Bay's correct. I can say that's correct. Um, yeah. based off of my sources. And I think Rockus is right too, but I don't know that for certain. Yeah. Rockus is more, I would say I've heard it from multiple people, but it's also a thing of he, you know, he's not signed yet because he's still on Houston. So okay. he plays the game a lot. Like it's not, it's not, it, it, it this should not be a shock to anyone when you see Rockus playing almost every night in Bauer doing quite well. I think he's a mortal three, uh, but the team itself, if Baze is, let's say it's Corey, it's Marv, it's Zachary, it's Baby, it's Rockus, what do we make of that? I mean, I think it makes sense, and it kind of points to Jason R as a signing that they just kind of mm. got out, and then they were like, oh, <laughs> wait, there's this team that, like, plays really well together. Mm. And I, I assume, like, because to your point, like, these players, even if they are still in the Overwatch League, have been playing a lot of Valorant on stream and with each other. Um, I'd assume they had already developed that synergy. Uh, we kind of alluded to Baby Bay last week, too, yeah. and how easy it would be for him to make that transition because it's pretty much the same management group anyway. So it's not like he's... Or, like, there are connections between... Yeah, phase, in between the rain. And, and yeah. the Atlanta rain. So um, it's not... It, it's kind of like... Like, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it's almost like he's not even moving organizations. He's just kind of sliding over to another eSport. Um, and that's why, I mean, I, I think baby Bay is probably a lock for this team. Um, and it makes sense because like, be perfect for phase. I also, I also think that like a lot of people still, and like, we've talked about this since joking around about it all the way back in the ESPN invitational. I do still think there's this really weird stigma around overwatch, uh, league players and Fortnite players versus, uh, former Counter-Strike players regarding Valorant and how well they'll do. Obviously, the easiest one-to-one transition is from CS to uh, Valorant just because they're both tactical shooters. But like to suggest that someone like Corey, uh, who is very obviously one of the best players in this game right now, uh, would be lesser because he doesn't have the hands because he's an Overwatch player, which is something I still see people say a lot about Overwatch players making the swap. Um, is pretty ridiculous. And uh, I think, like, while I don't think Baby Bay is going to come over and be, like, as, like, insanely good as Corey, I think he can still be very good at this game. Um, And if this team works well together and if they communicate well together, that's actually, honestly, the most important thing. Like, we've touched upon this a lot with rosters trying to come together, right? And why rosters like Gen G and Immortals continue to do so well is because they bet on on that, right? Like, they bet on that rather than just signing a bunch of random names. And despite the early Jason R signing, that kind of looks like what FaZe has settled on. They're like, okay, these players work really well together. They know each other from a different game. And they communicate well. And that really matters in tactical shooters. I mean, the crazy thing about this, too, is the fact that uh, the Overwatch League now has lost three of its reigning World Cup champs to... Uh, to this game, to Valorant, right? Like, the USA yeah, team won Rocco, one, one, Sinatra, Ro- Sinatra, and Corey, yeah. right? Rocco, Corey, and yeah. Sinatra, and Corey. And and not only that, but, like, Baby Bay and Rockus, Corey, and Sinatra, like, all four of those guys are, like, four of the most marketable Western players yep. in all of Overwatch. Like, yep. they are the faces, like, of Overwatch. Sinatra got his skin after he retired from, <laughs> from Overwatch, right? All like fantastic damn. interviews, by the way. Like, all incredibly yeah, marketable great to talk to like they're all really good interviews as well like so it's super easy to just put them in front of a camera yeah i mean arda and i arda and i've spent plenty of time around these guys through blizzcon and the atlanta the atlanta home series last year with baby bay and dogman came on the desk with us like this it's uh like these guys are like incredibly well-spoken and outgoing and like i can't i agree a lot with like baby bay being a great fit for phase because from a marketability standpoint like he is the like and I and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Like Baby Bay's super bro. Like I, the the guy's great, and I've had like very intellectual <laughs> conversations with him. Like at TwitchCon two most years ago. He's Overwatch League player yeah, that you yeah, can yeah. have. He like, looks him. like a phase. He looks like he's, he's a great guy. Already. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just he fits the vibe. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. Well. Him in the face. He's, and he's not he's not unintelligent at all. Like I had a very thorough conversation, deep conversation with him at TwitchCon two years ago, and he was like, a, he's a really good dude and really smart dude, but like he's bro as hell oh, and like fits yeah. super well, super well in this org. But yeah, like 
damn, Overwatch just lost like three of its World Cup champs and four of its most remarkable Western players so, to to Valorant. So that begs the question: Where are Super and uh, Space going in Valorant? <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna join like nrg or, or like some like some other team that hasn't been announced yet uh thanks to asuna in the chat for uh playing journalist there and giving us basically basically giving us permission to uh talk about it your recent performances by the way you guys are looking great i knew i knew i liked you i i said very nice things about you this week in our uh draft and i like you even more now thanks let's uh let's give some predictions on the PAX Arena tournament here as we wind down the show. Uh, Jacob, let's start with you. Uh, give us your predictions on what you think is going to happen this weekend. So we haven't actually seen the bracket shake out because group stages are still mm-hmm. going, but if yeah, we'll see who like which ones play which twos. Um, I'm actually looking forward to Homeless. I think like I hope that they end up getting I like who would I want them most against? Sentinels, Shinji, or Immortals? I feel like I would want them the most against Sentinels because I feel like that's their best recipe for success if they're playing any of the teams. Sentinels, to be clear, has been actually very good. They were very good in Group D uh, throughout this event. So, you know, maybe I uh, they still have one match to go against Renegades, so they'll go 4-0. I, I would be stunned if they lost to Renegades. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I like I want to see Homeless do really well. Um, it makes me excited that it looks like they're going to get out of groups here. Um, the, the other... Part like I'm excited to see Immortals. I know I'm not saying this because as soon as in chat, I picked them, picked them in the draft. I picked them in the draft because I'm like actually really high on this team, like being the little engine that could. Like maybe they're not the most marketable team in the league, but like as soon as really good and the rest of the team is solid. So I'm yeah, like I'm I'm all about this. Um, I don't know. My my overall winner prediction is probably still TSM or T1, but like this could be the tournament that Genji or, or Immortals squeak it out because they both look really good and they played each other well in groups. So yeah. That's right. my Immortals right played Gen G very well in groups. They yeah, two owed they, them, including a 13-4. Them. Yeah, huh. very, very well. <laughs> the sooner uh, crushed them. Yes, he did. Uh, Emily, your prediction? Uh, I actually think T1 are looking really good. Um, I don't know if that's because, like, no offense to Team Envy. I still think Team Envy is a really good team. That's the Together We Are Terrific uh, roster. Um I think that we had some questions about T1 going into this tournament. I think they've looked a lot more cohesive. They've also looked a lot more willing to experiment, as we've talked about off-camera. Um, and I think, like, obviously, I think TSM is looking like they had a tougher group. Um, but the teams that are looking the best to me right now, like in just, like, cursory group stage play from what I've been able to watch... It's been T1, IMT, and Sentinels, actually, um, which is a really interesting assortment of teams uh, because you just have, like, completely different ideas about roster building and how these teams came together. Um, but uh, but of those, I think, from where it stands right now, it, it's looking like T1 is looking really formidable, actually, uh, from this group stage. But we'll see. Tyler. Man, uh, I actually agree with Emily on all her points. I do think that the top three right now are Suna and uh, Immortals. <laughs> Suna is... You know, <laughs> Suna is so much love yeah, in chat right so now. He's loving it. He's loving it. He's loving it. I've said this on cast, on, on pretty much like every weekly show, is that Asuna is... When he is on, he is as good as, you know, yeah. Corey Wardell, Tens, Brex. And I've said that. And he's on this tournament. He's playing extremely well. And, and JC's... <laughs> JC Stani is back in the lineup, and Immortals looks really good. I'm not going to pick Immortals to make the finals, though. My finals pick, I think Immortals will make semifinals, but my finals pick is going to be Sentinels versus T1. Yeah, I think, really I, I think it'll be the traditionalist team, the the kind of the, the Counter-Strike uh, uh, enthusiast team. You know, T1 with Skadoodle and Brax, and Food's trailing amazing right now. His, he had a 31 kill game today on Phoenix. He's looking like he's in form. He's a very similar player to, to Asuna, where those, when those two players are on, they're as good as anyone in, in entire Valorant scope. Uh, and you have Sentinels, where you know you have, you have Sinatra, you know, watching the Phase team come together. You know, the meme of like watching the, the Overwatch friends have fun while he's all by himself with some Counter Strike and Apex pros. But I do think the, the Sentinels is more of, you know, the, an orthodox team. They are a team of misfits, of rebels kind of thrown together from various different backgrounds, and they're playing amazing right now. 
Sinatra in particular looks like he's finally starting to get it. And I don't I don't want to say that he's been bad in other tournaments, but in other tournaments it felt like he, he had some awkward moments. He was still like he was trying to you know fit into a new shoe, so to speak, where he had some good performances, but he still had some of those duds. Or in this tournament, he looks really, really clean, and we're seeing the team play at the highest level we've seen them so far. They they went over tens in C9, who were also in good form. And I do think when it comes down to it on Sunday, it's going to be T1 versus Sentinels. The the prim and proper T1, perfectly organized. They look great with their stageless comps. With Scoogle finally getting off stage. Thank God. He's on something more proactive now in Sova, where he's looking really, really good. And I think they'll face against Sentinels. And in the end, I do think T1 will win it. I do think T1 right now looks like the best team. Uh, from people I've talked to, other pros I've talked to, they look like they're in really good form. And I do think, I really do think them taking like the month off after the, the first edition series event to kind of go to the lab and work on some new strategies, working on some new agent picks has really worked out. Where Scoodle off the stage and them playing stageless comps is a big boon. And I do think they have the edge going into the weekend. But I do, the I think I love right now in A Valorant is that there's a lot of things that can happen. It's not like Europe right now where I think I'd pick G2 in most tournaments. I do think, like, TSM looks human. They could have lost a Homeless. They they almost lost 100 Thieves. Like, it's going to be a really exciting race to the finish, and we can see a multitude of teams win. Yeah, real quick from me, I just love the dichotomy of the top two teams that we have set in our power rankings in Valorant, right? TSM versus T1. Like you said, T1 took the month off. They went back into the lab. They scrimmed. They game-planned. And they kept an eye on what was happening in the scene, even in those smaller tournaments, and TSM was participating in many of them, and they weren't getting the results that they were they were hoping for. Maybe it was the fact that, hey, we don't have to spend too much time worrying about these tournaments. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, we already established ourselves as the number one team based on past results and how we've been playing. Um, it's uh, based on what uh, we have seen from TSM previously. But now it's time to show it. Now we're back at the next major tournament, and now we're seeing T1 as dominant as they've been in groups, and now we're seeing TSM looking mortal, looking human. So I would like to see them on a collision course. I really hope we do get to see that because those storylines definitely add up in terms of how the progression of NA is. But then again, you have a team like Gen G. They're two and one right now. They've won some tournaments. They have some good looks, and so that's going to be interesting. You have Sentinels, the most exciting team to watch. They are all they're in the mix. They're they're trying to figure it out. As you mentioned, Cloud Nine don't even have a full roster yet announced, and they are having great results. Homeless is a great story of teams that are looking for orgs, and they're two and one in their group. Hiko's having internet troubles. You have Wade <laughs> of French in the mix. Like there's there's a lot of great yeah. storylines. So it's it's a very the the way that NA has progressed so far with the tournaments that we've seen, there's a lot of rich and juicy storylines. So I'm very excited about it. So we're going to be back next week to to break down everything that happened in the PAX Arena Invitational. Uh, Tyler will have a ranking show, a power yeah. ranking show on Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, where he will rank NA based on everything that has happened this weekend in PAX Arena. And this show is every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I feel like we should add Asuna as a fifth as our yeah. reporter. <laughs> our investigation reporter who yeah, just comes in every week. That's right. That's right. So Asuna, what have you heard? What have you heard gonna, about uh, Faze? We're gonna we're gonna pass we're gonna pass the uh, we're gonna get him like a an actual like uh plush leak, like the, the fruit or like the vegetable, like a yeah. literally a plushie of a leak and just hand it to him. There you go. We're going to get him a, a media badge, too. He's going to wear it on the show. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, in between time, thank you very much for joining us here. We'll catch you next time.